0: Listen to something fresh Listen to Salaam Media Welcome back to the second hour of The Special Focus with myself, Zahid Jadwit. Coming up in this hour is the weekly documentary feature that we air around 9.30. Before that, though, we'll be speaking to Mr. Junaid Iqbal. He is the chairperson of the Isipingo Business Forum, and he'll be speaking to us about a fantastic security initiative that they've embarked upon in order to prepare for any possible looting sprees during the lockdown. Before that, though, let's now speak to Kim Heller. She's an an independent political commentator. And she's written an article in which she says that the time to deal with South Africa's inequality crisis has arrived. Remember that you can send your comments via WhatsApp to 061-766-0355 and you can tweet and tag at and at Salah Media. Please don't forget to use the hashtag the special focus. Now, as the effects of the lockdown, which has been implemented as a measure to curb the spread of the coronavirus, COVID-19 begins to set in, issues such as inequality and poverty to massive extents have been exposed. We are joined on the line now by Ms. Kim Heller. Welcome to the show once again, Kim.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate the time.
0: All right. Now, in your article, which you published a few days ago, you write, and I quote, The real test for leadership is not how it performs in the best of times but how it fares in the worst of times. Leadership with foresight defines itself, as the saying goes, by not letting a good crisis go to waste. Two things here, Kim. Do we have good leaders during this critical period and do you think that our leadership is able to grasp the opportunity to not allow what you call a good crisis to go to waste?
1: Thank you for that that introduction. And this is an article that uh, I wrote uh, together with Professor Sipo-Siepe and was published in the Star last week and then on my own website. And effectively, we're dealing with three things. The first was the issue of leadership. And as you said, the metal of real good leadership is tested in hard times. And uh, we are now facing global leaders are facing really hard times in dealing with uh, responses to the coronavirus and we argue that good leadership will result in um, global leaders coming out with societies that are more healed than harmed and that mouths are contradictory but it's not the case in South Africa because the coronavirus didn't introduce a crisis into South Africa. In fact, it, all it did is it introduced a crisis upon a crisis within South Africa because South Africa has been Ill and in a weakened and terrible state, um, under the pandemic of inequality and structural poverty for, for so long, for as long as we had colonialism and apartheid in this country. And we've never recovered from those social ills. So what the professor and I argue is that there is no better time right now to deal with those crises than, than now. And that would the allocation of resources into areas which have never been serviced properly, even in 26 years of democracy. So we see rural areas and black townships not even having basic service delivery. And what we've done in this country is that we have um, hit everything under the glare of or under the, the, the touch of rainbow nationism and social cohesion. And that has taken our eye off the deep cavity and deep, pandemic of inequality in this country. So by using this opportunity to realign and reallocate resources, um, government resources, budgets, spend towards the needy areas, we could actually emerge as a healthier society. And that's what we argue. In terms of the issue of leadership, we've seen a lot of um, people speaking about uh, great leadership emerging from South Africa. But we argue that's not necessarily the case because all we see the government do is follow a template, which it should because it comes from the World Health Organization. And we are looking at our leadership following best practice. But what we feel they're not doing adequately is tailor-making or tailoring the solutions that are offered and recommended as worldwide prescriptions to our own case cases. So for instance, something that works in Belgium, is not going to work in South Africa. And we are so divided as a society here, that a solution that's going to work in Alex, in Johannesburg, is not going to work in Sands, in Johannesburg, because we have two different nations, almost, um, living in in, in that um, square meterage. So we, we would look towards a more homegrown solution rather than simply following what the world is saying.
0: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you go on to say that promised foreign direct investment has failed to materialize. You even go as far as saying that, if anything, the country has experienced capital flight, business confidence plummeting to levels last seen more than 20 years ago. Uh,
1: yes, I mean, that, that's, that's true. I mean, it's quite interesting because one of the things that we argue is that we, we must be honest in... In leadership must be very honest, and uh, we—the coronavirus cannot be a an alibi for poor economic performance or poor leadership. Moody's, for instance, in their recent downgrading of South Africa, didn't refer to coronavirus. They spoke to the lack of investment, the lack of government policy, the lack of economic uh, recovery. So, whilst um, the coronavirus has exacerbated and worsened the economic crisis. We were in an economic crisis before that. And it's not the time now to hide away from such. We must confront that with the bravery that it needs so that we come out with a remedy that takes us back not only to a before-corona-type situation, but to a society that addresses the social ills that have been with it for many, many years. Uh, generations
0: if not centuries Mm. now coming back to the main point um, of inequality around which your article is based you say that there is little doubt that poor african communities will be hardest hit by the current coronavirus nowhere is the intensity of human deprivation so omnipresent african commuters in south africa are places of grinding poverty and unemployment of landlessness social and environmental degradation
1: Yes, that's true. So, you know, many years ago, uh, the previous president of South Africa, Tab Mbeki, had a very interesting speech. He spoke about that we are still two nations. We are a nation of two nations. The one where one the white affluent nation and the black poor nation. And that is not a natural order. That is a, a factor of historical oppression and subjugation. And, um, that has not been altered. The NC government has failed to uh, deal with the, the racial and class fault lines that were introduced by colonialism and apartheid. So we are living, we live with two nations. Um, and I think there's no doubt its the fact that we are the most unequal country in, in the world. And that's a poor indictment um, for the NC government. Mm-hmm. And so... So, so the truth is, the, the the shutdown. I think we said quite blatantly in the article as well. The shutdown for most white suburban households is one more of inconvenience. You know, we can only jog at certain times. We can only take our dogs out. In fact, we may not be able to walk dogs. We are concerned about cigarettes. Where for somebody who's living in a a tiny shack, that that isn't even giving enough protection you in, in a one or two roomed um, home. Uh, this is about what we speak about is intolerable cruelty that hunger, hunger and poverty are going to force people to break the curfews and break the, mm.
0: the,
1: the, the, the lockdown. So, and we have in these communities, totally inadequate infrastructures, both health wise, economic wise, uh, educational wise. So, so, as always, it is the poor that are going to take the brunt of these, these crises. And that's why we're imploring government to do a a total reallocation of their resources to this crisis, which would be directed to the poorest of the poor. But what we've seen is that there's more of focus of profits before people, as always, which unfortunately seems to be the the way that the NC increasingly is governing and that is very disappointing so we're saying there was such enthusiasm when we saw the world cup resources were allocated with such glee and determination and enthusiasm towards that event and making it a a success and we're saying it's that bold determination that government should use now to direct um social economic infrastructure resources to the poorest communities in this country rather than focusing predominantly on what businesses is is, uh, calling for.
0: Mm. And just as you say, actually, your article continues further saying that for the privileged in the leafy suburbs, the lockdown is more about inconvenience, while in the sprawl of squatter camps, the lockdown is intolerable cruelty. There is literally no space for social distancing in these congested concentration camps of poverty. So... Um, Kim, what is exactly, um, what do you mean by this? Um, uh, wh- what do you suggest um, should happen to ensure that we have a solution that works for all of us? As you mentioned earlier on, what ma- might work in Belgium might not work here in South Africa. So we need to um, tailor the solution slightly um, in order to adjust it uh, so that it can fit for us here in South Africa and work for us. So what do you su- uh, suggest that we do?
1: I think what has to happen immediately and with absolute dedication is that the services that have never been afforded to these areas have to be supersized right now. So we, the ANC government inherited an infrastructure from apartheid and a structural logic and geographical logic that was catering towards white people. And the townships were reservoirs of cheap labor. That hasn't changed tremendous service facilities, infrastructure, plumbing, um, sanitation, water. All of those things are still not in place in most of these areas, to the extent that they should have been. I believe that this, this crisis allows government to rectify that, to start rectifying it so that those areas become planes of growth, not um, places of total despair. Uh, And we can't have quick, easy solutions like water tanks. Water must be put in, proper uh, toilet for for children must be put in. I mean, we're still at a stage, 26 years into democracy, that we can't speak about the, the dignity of a black child. So we are hoping that the leadership of this country will take this coronavirus as an opportunity to start leveling up the the socio-economic conditions of people, which still has a purple racial hue. You know, to be white and to is privileged; to be black is to be poor. We are cementing the patterns that apartheid put in place, and now is the time to change it. Because if we don't, the coronavirus is going to exacerbate and supersize the divisions. Mm-hmm. And this is and, and taking society to an absolute crisis, probably the darkest time in its democracy.
0: Yeah. So if, why if, do? You, yeah. Continue.
1: No, I'm just saying if we don't act now, if the government doesn't act now, it is losing a very big opportunity to rectify rights that should have been put should, that should have been rectified many, many, many years ago. We've been so busy worrying about social cohesion. That we've forgotten about social justice in this country and rectifying the ills of the past.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When some people speak about the coronavirus as a pandemic, we we must also speak about poverty and hunger and inequality as pandemics of this mm-hmm. country,
0: which are man-made. Yeah. So, know, but, so, why sorry do you that's uh, okay? Why do you think that now is the time to deal with South Africa's inequality crisis?
1: Well. Well, I mean, I would have said that the time to do it was 26 years ago when the ANC government came into play. But there were lots of things uh, that I think they negotiated incorrectly. And so we got a soft shift. We got a political transformation, economic transformation, so that the conditions of black people hardly changed. So it should have been dealt with then. It hasn't been. And we've been we've been captured in this lull of social cohesion, but what's happened is that we have we have a stillborn democracy, we have a stillborn liberation. So now that we have a crisis that is putting further pressure on this on these pandemics of poverty and inequality, we are going to create a huge um, risk to our society. I mean, it's going to explode if we don't deal with it now. So. I'm saying it should have been dealt with um, almost three decades ago, and if we don't deal with it now, then we must take responsibility for that because we are turning once again a blind eye to the the real ills in our society which Mm -hmm. transcend well beyond the coronavirus.
0: All right. And one final question on which we'll wrap up, in fact. So on Monday, we celebrated Freedom Day here in South Africa. Do you think that apartheid may still be blamed for the issues we face uh, faced today, the very same issues which you highlight, such as poverty and inequality?
1: You know, I, I mean, that's a very difficult question, and you possibly need a totally different, a, a different show on it, but I'll try and answer it as best as I can. I think what happened was that when the ANC negotiated um, maybe through inexperience or maybe through just lack of ideological certainty, or maybe through a, 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 a balance of forces, which is not in their in their favor, they came up with a negotiated settlement, which benefited whites. I've often spoken about that as they actually extended, uh, the license for white supremacy, uh, into a new, the new era of democracy. Because political freedom came, but it has meant very little because the economic conditions of most people have not changed. So can we blame apartheid for that? Yes, we can because the, the persistent legacy of colonialism and apartheid shattered the lives of black people structurally and purposefully. What the ANC government has failed to do, despite we must, we must understand had this last task of transforming society, and they have tried, but they have not managed successfully. So they must take some responsibility because what they're doing is that they're just carrying on with the logic of apartheid and colonialism, culturally, socially, economically. So we have a mini, a mini version of uh, people speak about ne- neo-colonialism, and that's or neoliberalism. That's what we have. We don't really have full-blown democracy, because you cannot talk about democracy without economic democracy. And that is, that is where we, we, we have to go, and, we, and the NC hasn't been brave enough to upset white power to the extent that it has liberated the economic plane. And until that happens, we will be unfree, all of us, actually. So we can blame apartheid, we can blame the history, and we can blame the current leadership, for being too timid to put its own people first uh, before profits and before
0: the markets. All right, that's where we leave it for today. Thank you so much for your time, Kim Heller.
1: Thank you. Thanks for the invitation
0: that was independent political commentator Kim Heller speaking about an article in which she declared, um, an article which was co-authored by herself and Professor Sipo Sieppe, in which they declared that no better time than now to deal with the South Africa's crisis of inequality. Let's take a short break and when we get back we will be speaking to Mr. Janaid Iqbal of the Isipingo Business Forum. Stay tuned. Listen to something fresh. Listen to Salam Media.